passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Now, listen up. We have a promo code for all of you ready to get in on the action. It's Believe 50. That's B L E A V. And they'll give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome inside another episode of Believe in Everything Auburn. War Eagle, everyone. Taylor Davis here with you today, your loyal host, along with my esteemed co host and friend, Jason Campbell, here to break down everything in and around Auburn athletics. Hope everyone has had a great week since we last spoke. It's uh, actually an active week down on the plains as fall camp has officially begun and it is just a few weeks until the greatest time of year, Auburn's first game kicking off on September 3rd. And no one understands this time of year better than my co-host, J.K.M., who went through some fall camps in his day as well. So we are, of course, going to talk about that, the reports coming out of it, and catch you up on the Auburn basketball team who has been over in Israel. We also have another fantastic guest joining us here today. We're really on a roll here with the guests that we've got coming on. We have former standout wide receiver and NFL vet Sammy Coach joining us today. Today. He actually lives in Auburn now and has the opportunity to go around the team a little bit. So I'm sure he'll be able to tell us what he's learned about this group as well as look back on his playing time. So it'll be great to catch up with him. But Jay, like I said in the beginning, let's just dive right in fall camp down in Auburn. And I have to assume that you've got a lot of memories from fall camp because it it is uh, all systems go. Essentially, you know that all the work you put in spring ball, the a day game, summer workouts, it, it shows itself now and, and decisions are made and it's, it's reality that season is here. What, what comes to mind when you think back to, to your fall camps? Oh yeah. Fall camp was great. Uh, it's football season. You can smell yeah. the, you smell the first game is close. You know, it's like a month away and 
in the summertime, you're practicing, but it's not the same. Even in the spring ball, you're practicing, but you're going against each other on A day. That's not mm-hmm. the same. But mm-hmm. when you get a chance to scrap it up in front of 86,000 people and probably another 10,000 standing around the rails, you know, it's nothing like it. And to run through that tunnel, especially if you're this team, you come off of, or you lost you know, five games in a row to end the yeah. season and, you know, you can't wait to, to get the going, get the season going and you get the first five games at home. What's the, what's the odds of that? And mm-hmm. uh, so you get a chance to come out and try to, you know, relay the foundation, uh, get things going in the right direction, put some of the noise that, that went on all off season, put that away and uh, just focus on what you got to focus on. And uh, it just get going. And if you're a defensive player, you're just ready to hit somebody because you don't get a chance. <laughs> to, you don't really get a chance to hit the offense that, the offensive players uh, as much because you want to keep them healthy going into mm-hmm. the season. So, you know, you do a couple of padded drills, a couple of one-on-one drills and different things like that, but you're really not going like full, full force against each other because you're not trying to get someone right. hurt. So these guys can't wait to lace it up. They can't wait to be able to full tackle someone and, you know, actually hit the quarterback. He's not in a red shirt. You know, he's, he's a, a live QB. So, mm-hmm. Guys are just tipping at the bit right now, and it's hot, it's humid. That's another thing. You can't wait for fall to get here because it just makes football a little bit better. Yeah, I think that kind of from a holistic perspective, spring ball is kind of talent assessment, individual assessment, and and almost an instruction of here's what you need to work on as an individual player that's going to benefit the team, right? Then into summer, it's it's so strength-focused, nutrition-focused, getting your body right and prepared, but also working on the things that were kind of instructed to you as an individual in spring. And then by fall, it's really team assessment and it's scheme assessment and really implementing all of those things. And I think the individualized aspect of spring and summer feeds into the team centered focus of fall camp. Not that you aren't always focused on team and scheme and what have you, but I think from an individual perspective, you see the work that they took initiative to to put in in the spring and summer and how it benefits everyone as a cohesive unit into the fall. So um, that's kind of how my perception of it goes. But like you said, it just means that season's here. You know, I think for fans, we think of it as kickoff week zero, week one. But for the guys, season is now fall is is underway. And and with that comes the expectations of season. And obviously the first thing that comes to everyone's focal point is the quarterback battle and that it very much is, is still in play. I think that the media is trying to decipher things as they're out there around fall camp and, and getting the chance to interview coaches and players to get as much insight as they can on this thing. And from what everyone is gathering who is, you know, on the ground, looking at everything that's happening right now, it does seem that Zach Calzada is the front runner right now, that the expectation and, and what he's showing and the chemistry he's building, there's a list of things along with his sec experience is kind of all signs pointing to it. But then Brian Harson also alluded to some packages for Robbie Ashford Neither of those realities surprise me. I I think that while there is still some unknown, I think if you are paying attention and you had to bet on something, that's probably what you would lean toward. I mean, Robbie Ashford was offensive MVP during A-Day. He really showed some impressive things, but we didn't get to see Zach Calzada in A-Day because of his shoulder injury. But right now, 
it's leaning toward him being the guy, but Robbie Ashford being a weapon to utilize. And I don't think this staff will shy away from doing just that and taking advantage of both of their strength sets. I also do just want to go ahead and acknowledge while we're on the quarterback conversation, and then Jay, I want you to add in on your perspective on the position battle, but TJ Finley, some news did come out about him since our last episode. It was kind of confusing the way it was put out. Obviously headlines are, you know, intended to draw you in and they do that, that basically he was arrested last week following an attempt to elude police. Basically, he turned himself in once realizing that there was a warrant out for his arrest. He was on a moped on campus without a helmet. Police attempted to pull him over. They his attorney addressed the media saying that it was a misunderstanding, that it, it there was a traffic violation, but the eluding police, there was some kind of misunderstanding. And he turned himself in upon awareness of, of the situation and then released himself on, on bond that he signed for immediately was back with the team participating in activities. So whatever it was, whatever, uh, you know, was known about it was innocent enough to, you know, not have a punishment at this point that anyone is aware of. So did just want to acknowledge that he is out there participating, but in terms of the quarterback battle, Jay, talk to me a little bit about what you're hearing, what you're expecting as that competition ramps up in fall. Yeah, that's the interesting talk because everyone's, you know, wants to know like who's going to be the guy pulling a trigger back there in the backfield. Um, like you said, Calzada has uh, SEC experience. TJ Finley has SEC experience. Uh, Robbie's the guy that's a transfer. And then, you know, Holden Garner is uh, it's the high school, you know, standout. So this can be an interesting battle because it can be a toss-up. We didn't get a chance to see Calzada this spring. And in the summertime, we saw some of his workouts on, on his social media page and everything. But that's just, you know, you're out by yourself putting in the work in to be a better quarterback. But all the guys are doing that, you know. So you really can't tell until you get into 11-on-11 drills, uh, 7 seeing who's really picking up the offense, who can progress the offense, who knows how to get to those second and third options on when you're in the passing game and not just get stuck on one guy. Uh, you know, can you get us out of bad run plays when you see that the defense is, you know, put an extra man in the box and there's no one to account for that person? Do you know how to check us out and, and put the and get us to the right play? All those things, all those things you have to be aware of as a quarterback, especially at this level. And the type of offense that I've seen them run this uh, this spring is more of a pro, pro style offense. It's not as fast as you can get up there to the ball and snap the ball and try to put pressure on the defense. It's more they do huddle. They do get mm-hmm. in and out of the huddle. They do, you know, have four, two set, two tight end sets formations. They have, you know, single set tight end formation. They even have three set tight end formations. And so then you're having your young receivers as well and guys that came over like a core more. You know, you get Jay Fair, another talented guy. So you have some guys that this room was looking really shaky in the spring. And now it's starting to look like a really, a really good room. And mm-hmm. uh, so I just think with experience, it gets no better than playing Mercer and San Jose State the first two games. No knock on them. It's just the fact that you want to get some experience before you get into the three-game stretch of SEC. And mm-hmm. you're going to need those guys. So I think the quarterback position is going to be okay just because you have a strong run game. And I think guys are going to make plays for them. But at the same time, though, I do think maybe at this point, Calzada is kind of, you know, being a front runner because why otherwise would they go out and recruit him as hard as they did if they already had TJ there, you right. know? So that's just being just observant. And then the other part of it is Robbie Ashford. So, okay, you, you like, you like Calzada enough to bring him in, 
but you're not a hundred percent sold. So you, mm-hmm. you still go get Robbie Ashford, you know? Right. So now you bring in Robbie Ashford. Why you do that? Because he was a guy that was at Hoover. He was a talented quarterback. He can put pressure on the defense. He can run. He's very mobile. He can get outside the pocket on waggles and bootlegs and, and different things like that. So he can make the defense, he put more pressure on the defense because of his threat of his speed and he can throw the ball. You know, he's not yeah. as accurate as he needs to be yet, but that's something that will continue to come with more game experience and time. He hasn't played that much yet since he's left high school. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say it becomes interesting where I think Calzada probably leading going in, mm-hmm. but I think Robbie's on his heels as far as like getting some play time, whether he starts or not. And then TJ is kind of like seeing what kind of operates between the two. And I'm pretty right. sure he's pushing, you know, he can throw the ball, but mm-hmm. it's just not the threat of getting away from the defense. that kind of hurts him sometimes. Right. That became so problematic at the end of last year was really his inability to move within and outside of the pocket. But I think for, you know, Robbie Ashford, Zach Calzada, this is really what people were clamoring for a few years ago when it was Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood. If you've got guys and believe me, Bo was way more mobile. I'm not saying that, but if you have guys with different, um, statures, different strengths and different weaknesses, but both capable guys, this game is situational and and it's not one size fits all from game to game, heck from quarter to quarter, half to half. I mean, adjustments are such a big part of this game. If you've got both of them with strength sets that can throw off these very capable SEC defenses, or even, you know, like we talk about with Tank and Jarquez kind of being more effective together in terms of health, in terms of um, rest. I understand there's a difference for sure. You want a guy who's your guy, but I don't think it's a bad thing to have a a fourth and goal package for a guy like Robbie. I, I was reading a lot of observations on him in fall camp so far, and a lot of things about how sharp and consistent he is with more short passes out of the backfield, obviously mobility, but he's struggling with the deep ball. And and I think that that's certainly an aspect of this. If the wide receivers develop, like we're hearing, they can, the deep ball has to be a part of this thing. And that's something that Zach has. So with all of that, I, I think the, the opportunity is there for you to utilize, you know, some skills that Robbie has and not just chunk it up to, okay, well, you're not the guy because Zach is, and and it goes to the back burner. I won't be surprised if, if we see both in some capacity. And I think that's kind of what Harson is opening up to offensive coordinator. Eric Keesaw was also asked about the quarterback battle. And he said, quote, it's going to be exciting. I'll tell you what, it's a good problem to have because the flip side, if you could have one guy or a freshman and you have to kind of quote, Oh boy, we have to get this guy ready. Well, now you have three, four guys that really have ability. And a couple of these guys have experience and obviously two have SEC experience. So they're viewing this as a positive, as I think we all should. It's just going to be a matter of which one kind of brings the team together, which one has that leadership component. And I do think, again, you tip your hat toward Calzada in this because Ashford does have to get his feet wet a little bit, not only in the SEC, But also at the college level, lest we not forget, he didn't play at Oregon. He was a standout at Hoover, obviously went to Oregon, so he's a a caliber quarterback, but he's got to get used to that playing atmosphere. There's a learning curve to him, but raw natural ability is ability. So if we see both, I'm all for it. I feel weirdly more optimistic about it than I you think you would when you've got two transfers and a guy who was very inconsistent last year for you 
I feel like we've got a good situation. And a lot of that also falls on the offensive line, which is one of the most veteran pieces of this team this year. You've got center Nick Brahms, who has started a game since his red shirt freshman year in 2018. Austin Troxel, Brandon Council, Keandre Jones, Killen Zerrier, Alec Jackson. They've all started in the trenches. And Will Friend is, is kind of utilizing them in different ways. He likes to kind of work them on opposite sides. So some other guys have gotten snaps at center as well. Maybe not the same depth that you would like to have, but if you're talking veteran experience and you include the running backs in that, the pieces around the quarterback right there in, in that pocket around him where he's playing, you have veteran guys who get it. How beneficial is that from a quarterback perspective? Yeah, it's very beneficial. Anytime you can have experience, because that's something you can't teach um, that helps out in so many different ways. And what helps out as well is having a veteran offensive line. Yep. That's really going to help this, this whole quarter's offense this year. Um, you know, these guys now going in basically their sixth year. So, you know, we should have high expectations for that group um, and everything. So experience is something that's going to help them. Uh, even having Tank back there is going to help them because he'll get a lot of attention. And even Hunter, Jacquez Hunter, it's not like it's a big drop-off when he comes in the game. Like, this kid can run, and he's strong. You know, he squats over 600 pounds. So, mm-hmm. you know, he can. he's a guy that also can can lay the thunder as well. So this is uh, – I think Shedrick Jackson leads the group as far as experience when he talks about the receiver standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a guy that can – you know, from watching the film on what I've seen so far, you know, he's a guy that he's, he's strong and he's he's learned a little bit more just on the Ike. It seems like just from being there in spring. Um, like I said, Ike brings so much more than just a coaching standpoint. He was a player and he was a really good player and he was drafted in a high draft pick. So he knows what it takes to, to get these guys to the next level. And now I believe these guys are going to be all ears uh, just because of that. But I just think that experience for Zach, Calzada really helps him because he was at a Texas A&M program where expectations were high and he's come to Auburn where expectations are high. So he understands that to be able to compete and everything, he's got to play at a high level. And the reason he's not at Texas A&M because the level wasn't high enough. So that means he's out to prove himself. So I think he's going to play with a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder. He's closer to home. He's from the Atlanta area. Uh, northern Atlanta area. So, you know, it's not like his family has to go far to see him anymore. They just straight down 85 South. So there's a lot of things that works for him here. But at the same time, Robbie Ashford is not backing off. Mm. TJ Finley is not going to back off. You know, TJ is not feeling happy about how the season ended for himself. Right. And he's anxious to get back out there and show people what he can do. So that's what makes it fun because competition brings out the best of everybody. And it makes you, it's supposed to make you a better player. And uh, hopefully as a group, because they know that they got someone waiting in the wings, they can't wait to get on the field, that it makes these guys prepare that much harder. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned the wide receivers and we obviously got a a glimpse into that room last week. If you missed last week's episode, we had wide receiver coach Ike Hilliard on the show. He was fantastic. Gave us a a great perspective on, on his new role in college coaching, which I think is such a good fit for him as well as his wide receiver room. And um, a, a guy that's actually been getting a lot of praise out of fall camp is freshman wide receiver Camden Brown. A lot of players and coaches both acknowledging him. He's actually kind of climbed up in, in the teams that he's getting reps with, how many reps he's getting. He was across from Coy Moore the other day at fall camp 
camp. He's 6'3", 202 pounds. And if you look across our wide receiver room, we're, we're definitely a smaller group. And you think about, you know, effective receivers in years past, you think of Seth Williams, you think of Sammy Coates, the, the big body targets that kind of the, the back of the end zone guys. And I think right now we've got more of a slew of, of the slot type prototype guys, the, the shifty receivers, and to have a 63202 guy out there that can be that perimeter threat, I think is advantageous. And we've, uh, we've seen some reports coming out of fall camp about a, a highly contested catch. Uh, he was really beaten coverage, but he came down with it, got a lot of high praise from the coaching staff after that catch, and they kind of have their eye on him. And so I think that there's also room um, in that receiver group for stories like that, you know, maybe some, some guys that you aren't expecting to, to kind of come alive, which is what coach Hilliard was saying that they're more than capable, that, that, that room has talent and ability. Um, it, you don't know them yet. Maybe they're not those big names, but I mean, if you've got a freshman that's, that's showing out already and he's got a stature that the rest of the room doesn't have, I think you take advantage of it. Any other kind of unexpected guys that, that you've kind of got your eye on, on the offensive side, Jay. Yes, I would just say uh, tight end position. You know, Shanker, yeah. he's a guy that's coming back for that big season. Uh, Tyler Fromm is a guy that we hadn't heard much about since he signed here, but he's a big frame guy that can that can uh, make some plays as well. I think that's one of the most that's one of the biggest positions that we have that's underrated that I think going to play a big big pivotal role in how this offense does this year. Absolutely. I mean, it, you're looking at the offensive line as a veteran position. The tight ends are certainly veteran. Like you said, Shanker coming back for his 85th year. He's going to be like, <laughs> who was it forever ago? Um, Hunter Renfro at Clemson, where you literally felt like he was there for 12 years. He's just one of those guys that has been such a staple. A lot of the tight ends, they're, they're using them, kind of hitting them in motion. The receivers are running sweeps. So they're, they're definitely showing more versatility in the offensive approach, but those tight ends are absolutely going to be a key piece of this thing as they were last year. I don't expect that to change at all either. You're absolutely right. Okay. Now, as far as the defensive side, we've talked a lot about what, you know, pieces there are and development of the offensive side, but let's talk defense as well. I mean, I think that um, there's a lot of, of good to see on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of uh, returners that you expect are going to really want to make this year special. Colby Wooden actually said that that's why he came back. He, he did not like how it was ended and he wants to go out on a high note. And you've got guys like that. You've got guys like Owen Papo, who unfortunately had to sit out way more than he would have liked last season due to injury. But um, obviously a lot of focus is being put on the offensive side of the ball, but defensively, what are you expecting from that unit? Yeah, I'm expecting this to be the, the carrier of our football team. Uh, mm. When you think about uh, the season, defense always, you know, starts a little bit faster than offense. Uh, uh, of course, when you think about the guys that we have up front and, and Derek Hall and like I said, Kobe Wooten coming back and, then you also got Owen, who, who basically, you know, he missed the season last year, so he should be healthy and whole and anxious at the bit to get out there and play. Uh, you also look at the back end. You know, you got Nehemiah Prickett, you know, who's a guy that, you know, has some experience and, and you know, he's done some things uh, for us. Jalen Simpson is a guy that has experience at the corner position as well. And, you know, we also picked up some, some big-time players. We got the number one Juco defensive back in the, in the nation and Keontae Scott. 
uh, you know, that was a big pickup. And then mm-hmm. we get Jason Jones, the, the Oregon transfer. And then you get the kid, the Morris kid from Memphis, the D-line transfer. So, you know, we also got an Iowa State cornerback that transferred in. So we have players and, and depth and guys that has experience. So this is why I'm anxious to see what this defense can do. Uh, it's still the same type of defense that, that Derek Mason ran last year, just as Coach Smedden that's going to be running now. The, the defense and and everything. And like I said, you know, from top to bottom, from Coach Harson to to his defense coordinator to Keesaw, his offensive coordinator now, there should be a much quicker pace on how things get translated just because of their time of being together at Boise State. So they know each other. They know each other's thoughts and situations, what they like to do in certain situations. So hopefully this can kind of make things a little bit smoother uh, and, and help this team in their second unit as uh, and being at Auburn. I love that. I hope so. I mean, it's kind of gotten to that point in years past where defense has really become very reliable and very consistent. And you hope to see that continue with a lot of the pieces that have remained quick addition, following up on something that we speculated and talked about on last week's episode. It is confirmed that also happened last two weeks ago when we were talking about the Tim Hudson move that was confirmed last week. Got a confirmation for something we thought was true last episode, and that is four-star edge Ashley Williams committing to Auburn after attending Big Cat Weekend and then announcing that he was decommitting from Nebraska, where he had previously verbally committed. Um, He's a 6'4 defensive end with 89 tackles, 22 tackles for loss, 14 sacks, and two forced fumbles in his junior season. He is originally from Louisiana and will obviously be joining the 2023 recruiting class. So that one is an exciting get. And there are a few more in the pipeline that are kind of being eyed as potential flip still you know one from Georgia there's now talks about one from Arkansas so this uh this coaching staff didn't shine away from the potential to flip some of these high school recruits we'll keep our eye on that and then finally we want to wrap up the unbelievable trip that our basketball team has been on they have obviously been over in Israel Um, The team explored places like Bethlehem, the city of David in Jerusalem, the Holocaust Memorial. They boated on the Sea of Galilee. They floated in the Dead Sea. They went to the Jordan River, several of them posting pictures of baptism. I mean, just I, I don't have words to explain this trip and how incredible it must have been an experience that they will literally always, always, always carry with them. So special and so meaningful. And obviously, how can you not be bonded after a trip like this? You know, I mean, this is just something beyond sports incredible um but they also played three exhibition games defeating israel u20 team the israel all-star select team and then unfortunately couldn't pull off the sweep they fell in their third game 95 to 86 against the israel national team now keep in mind some nba players a 2020 first round draft pick I was playing in this one. So um, a very impressive competitor and a very impressive showing for our guys as well. Some takeaways from it. Johnny Broom had a double-double, 18 points, 11 rebounds, and three blocks, really solidifying his presence, especially losing our big guy in Walker Kessler. Uh, Wendell Green looking a bit more polished, just some some fight and some some grit from this team, even in, you know, a, a summer showcase, essentially, if you will. So excited that the guys got the chance to do that and also looks like a team that isn't really skipping a beat on the court either. 
Yeah, you know, valuable experience that these this this team got uh, over in Israel, and you know, saying so you start naming off all these cities, I thought he was reading the Bible for a second. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, like I said, these guys get a chance to see something that you know so many people in the world have never even seen or touched. Right. You know, they even went to the uh, to the the Dead Sea, yep. uh, got a chance to get out there, and and just the experiences and the pictures and things that you saw, uh, you saw a lot of baptism, uh, mm -hmm. take place. Um, so these guys are, you know, indebted spiritually. Um, they're also, you know, have, have had a time to bond because they were in a, a whole nother country with just themselves and, and they played some really good basketball. Uh, you know, their first game is I believe November 7 against George Mason. So, you know, this kind of gives you a little bit of an opportunity, like in the summer leagues where you play in, these different summer leagues and everything. I think Bruce Pearl has done a really good job of getting this team some experience before the season actually starts. Because now you have film, like with the new group, the guys that came in, you know, the Johan, the, you know, Johnny Broom, the Chris Moore, you know, and some other guys that's new to the team. You know, having these guys there with the guys that's already been there with Zepp and Katie and, you know, and like I said, Wendell Green, Wendell Green and all these guys has already been there. Mm -hmm. You know, it gives them opportunity to build some chemistry and to play together and, you know, in a game like atmosphere. So now you can go back, look at the film, break down a few things, understand what some guys strengths are, what some of their weaknesses are, things that they need to work really hard over in September and October to prepare for November when the season starts. This was valuable, valuable experience. And the trip is something they'll talk about forever for the rest of their lives and yeah. uh and everything so you know kudos to auburn for for giving this group an opportunity to go on a trip like this and uh because you did more than just impact them on a the basketball court you impact them in their personal lives and you left mm -hmm. a, a tremendous mark on their lives and, and their spiritual journey as well exactly uh, it's it's bigger than sports exciting for what's to come for both this football team and basketball team as August is underway and quickly we will be in the midst of a very busy athletic time around Auburn. And we certainly love when that's the case, but let's go ahead and get some perspective from someone who is very much invested in this Auburn football program. Someone who lived it as well. We are going to bring in Sammy Coates. Now I'm so excited to welcome in Someone from my generation, no offense, Jay, but we usually have your teammates around. We've got a guy who uh, I was actually in college with, got to watch him play, former wide receiver, standout for your Tigers, NFL veteran as well. Everyone welcome in Sammy Coates. War Eagle, Sammy, how are you doing? War Eagle, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I, we are good. We're so excited to have you. I was actually telling Jason before we started recording that you are from the same small hometown of one of my best friends, Sydney from Auburn. And so I, uh, I followed your career in Auburn, had some mutual friends as well. And those small town Alabama ties, they run deep though, you know? Yeah, they do. You know, Sydney, she was actually my neighbor. <laughs> I know it's such a small world. I mean, Jason, you, you're from Mississippi. You get how that goes too. Yeah, I get it. You know, being from a small town, everybody knows everybody, uh, <laughs> you know, before you, before you talk to somebody or consider them your girlfriend, you got to first and foremost, you got to ask your parents, but you got to make sure you're not kin to them. So, you know, that's awesome. Well, pretty cool. All three of us are actually from pretty small towns, went to Auburn, love Auburn, still stay involved with Auburn. And I think it's because Auburn 
has that family atmosphere, right? That was that was so important to all of us that we were drawn to it as a university. And then both of you really got to make your your impact and leave a legacy on the football field. So Sammy, let's just kind of go back to those playing days, man. I mean, I, I have so many memories of of you playing and some of the teams that you were a part of, but what memories really stand out to you? What what do you think made your time at Auburn so special? Um, just the ups and downs and learning from, you know, in 2012, yeah. you know, we lost all those games went three and nine and you learned a lot from being on that side of it, then turn around the next year and go to the national championship. Huh. You know, just, just teach you, you know, never quit, never give up. And I, I take away from that and take it to life. And that helped me every day still. Yeah. yeah, Sammy, you know, you're a guy that came out of Auburn, big name, uh, played in some really, really big games for Auburn and, you know, you, you obviously got a chance to play in the NFL as well. You played for one of the most historic franchises in Pittsburgh. But when you think about playing at Auburn and, and everything, like what did it mean for you when you walked out in front of that crowd, in front of 80-some thousand people? And like you said, coming off a rough year that y'all had the year before, then to go into a national championship run. Talk about what you learned so much from that year before, because it's almost similar to us except for – we still had a winning season a year before, but it wasn't, <laughs> a, it, wasn't it wasn't a season that we anticipated, you know, in, right. in 2003. But then we just propelled that and went undefeated in 2004. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's a lot of same turnover. But what did what was it about y'all that y'all learned from the year before? Of course, y'all added some pieces. But what was it about y'all? You know, that 2012 year, you know, a lot happened. You know, we lost a couple of players. Um, it was a it was a hard year. And, um, you know, you you you. We didn't take for granted that our teammates was important until all that stuff that went down that year in 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, just that after all that, we got really, really close. We started hanging out together more. And it just taught you that the closer you are with your team, the better chance you got to win with them. You know, the more you know about the people that's playing beside you, that's what we took from it. That's what I learned. It's just learning the people around you, where they come from, their background, why they do what they do. And and that's what we did. You know, we made we got really, really close. We was hanging out with the DBs, the wide receivers hanging with the DBs, mm-hmm. you know, the old line hanging out with the D-line. Like, we were just close, you know. We didn't never take the competition out of it, but we didn't let that competition go outside of football. We actually became closer, mm-hmm. you know, that next year. And that, that way it helped us a lot. You know, we never quit together. We always had each other back no matter where we went. So I think that what a lot of teams have to learn, this Auburn team have to learn that too. You know, the closer you are with the people that's beside you, the better chance you're going to play harder for them. Oh man. Well said. And I, I totally agree with you about this season. You know, Jay and I have talked about, you know, obviously last season, not going the way everyone wanted. And then even, you know, a, a bit of a, a difficult off season and, and some of the challenges that have come, but no one really knows the extent of what they've gone through other than each other. So it's really all, all you have is, is to turn to each other and find strength in that. So I, I totally agree with you there, but you know, thinking back to that year and, and I, it makes so much sense that the chemistry was there off the field and it translated, I mean, it, it, it's a historic season, right? I mean, some of the moments that you guys had that year will go down in history. They're cemented. And the only word that came to everyone's mind was special. There was just something special about that year. And so many of those games, what, what were some of those moments like for you as a player being in them? Maybe you couldn't even appreciate it until after the fact, but being able to be a part of some of those historic games, what did it feel like in the moment? Uh, it was crazy, man. That, <laughs> the the LSU game that we lost down at LSU was even special. You know, it was yep. a rain game. Yep. That's the 
that second half really what got us got us to click it after that LSU game after that second half and got after one of our players got hurt and he came in and said man win this game for us and we started coming back we didn't win that game but we started playing really really hard right and the next game we won we went to go to Texas A&M that's when it really clicked that Texas A&M game really turned that season around and showed us what we was capable of doing going out there being gentleman Zell with the end of the game like it ended and it was awesome then just keeping it going for the rest of the year that Georgia game no, that, that was probably the craziest play ever in football history when Ricardo caught that ball off the tilt ball. Mm-hmm. And that just like, it must, it was like, this must be our year, you know, it must be our year. <laughs> so then we, then we get to the, the Iron Bowl, like, you know, come down to one second and Chris Davis running back after they forgot that I scored a time touchdown. But we ain't nope. gonna talk about that. That's a different story. <laughs> but, get your shine man, on, man. Go ahead. Let people know you scored it. <laughs> Go ahead. But it was just a special, special year. It and, was. And, Every time we get together, just like that spark come back with or even just coming back for games and seeing guys that played in that time with us from the hard times in 2012 to the great times of 2013 to the mediocre time in 2014. It was just right. it's just that that feeling you get with those being around those guys is just special. It's, a, it's just always gonna be a special place in Auburn. That's so cool. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying, man. You create those special memories. That's why I always tell guys when you come to these schools and, and everything, you're basically written those seats out for four years. Uh, you know, if you're a Chuco guy, you're renting out for two years. If you're a four-year guy, then of course it's four. But the thing is, like, what do you want to be known for within that four-year span that you have to make your imprint uh, on the university? And I think, like you said, you made your imprint. You live now back in Auburn. So, you know, you're having a, a great life there. And I'm pretty sure people stop you all the time and, and want to relive memories or, you know, take pictures. You know, you you just feel special. Like I tell people, like, once you leave the game, it is a totally different feeling on the outside of it. You have more respect for the game when you're on the outside because mm-hmm. you now realize like, dang, I used to actually do that. And now you look at it and be like, man, it was so much work that goes into it and and everything. So Sammy, being a receiver though, you know, at Auburn and everything. And then like I said, playing the league, how does it feel when you have to play like this Auburn football team this year is up for the quarterback job has basically four guys that's trying to fight for the job. So as a receiver, how hard is that for you to build continuity with four different guys? And how soon do you feel like it's important before the season starts for them to have the number one guy so you can start building that chemistry? Hmm. Um, just been when when we got Nick and he was one year out, just came in and um it starts in the spring. Like yeah. that chemistry, that that work, that load starts in the spring. Them, when them guys first got there, they should have been building chemistry with the receivers you know, on their own time and working with them and doing stuff like that. And that's what Nick did. He came in. He was good. Hey, guys, we're going to throw today. It's, it's freaking a Monday night. Hey, man, we're going to the, the indoor to throw. So we built that chemistry. So that competition was still there. We didn't know Nick was going to be the starting quarterback. We had an idea. But, you know, we had Jeremy Johnson. You know, we had all those guys. And they, they, they did compete. But when you already had that chemistry with that quarterback that's been working with you, it's kind of hard you know, to not let that guy be that starter. You know, like mm-hmm. the receivers feed. You can tell, like even at practice when you compete, when you see the quarterbacks compete, you can tell who's got that chemistry with the receivers best with that quarterback. And that's one thing those guys got to learn when they come in is that chemistry starts when soon you get in that in that building. Soon you step foot in that building, you got to start building that chemistry. I've actually seen on your social media that you were around the team recently and uh, you now live in Auburn. So I know you're able to to jump over there. What? 
what do you know about this current team or, or maybe what do you expect? I mean, kind of like we were talking about earlier, if, if this team really chooses to use the adversity as motivation, it really could end up surprising a lot of people. What are your expectations for this group? Um, they got a lot of great players, and that's yeah. a good thing. They got some special players. And one thing I, I noticed, they are working really hard. When I went to watch them run decks, they, they, everybody was working hard. Everybody was communicating and talking mm-hmm. to each other. That's big time in, in football. You got to be able to talk yeah. to each other. You got to have a leader step up. And you can tell the headhunters was the first ones up the, up the bleachers. And that was pretty cool to see that they was never falling behind. That's a good sign. So that means they building chemistry with each other and knowing who's the, who's the lead dogs on a team. And but what I expect from them is just to play together and just have fun, you know, forget last year and forget all the stuff that came with the adversity that we went through during the spring and after the season. That stuff over with. You can't live in the past. You got to focus on their goals ahead. Yeah, most definitely. You know, like I tell guys, man, you can't worry about even as the coaches. Um, you know, I was in Cannes this weekend. You know, unfortunately, my teammate, uh, Richard Seymour, played together in Oakland and he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. And the one thing that he talked about. And, and everything was about the cohesiveness uh, of his teammates, you know, being able to to get to where he's at wasn't by himself. You know, you got to have special teammates. And, you know, you think about the Auburn teams of the past, everybody, there was great teams. And that's the difference. It wasn't individual. It was great teams. And when you think about, you know, the Auburn team now, you know, they really can't worry about what they don't have or who they don't have or all of this Coach Vermeil said it best. He said the best time to coach is coach the guys that you have in front of you that are the best of your ability. And for players to learn from the coaches in front of you to the best of your abilities. Don't worry about all these outside things that you can't control. And that's that's the thing that comes with leadership. So, you know, it's like I said, you you being a guy that was on that team in, in 2013 and, you know, like losing in the magnitude of like, I almost understand the feeling just because we didn't get a chance to play for the national championship and you guys lost the heartbreak in the national championship. Like no one always talks about how, how you still feel about that moment to this day. And I know Taylor, I'm going back a little bit on this, but just tell us how do you, how does, how does that still sit with you? Like how often do you think about that game um, back in 2013? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that game sit with me every day. Even when I was in the NFL, I still thought about that game. <laughs> it was one of those things, man. When we, we came in, we was up, and I lose the way we lost. It was just heartbroken. And and I it's still, you can feel that pain. It's always, yeah. whenever you see Florida State playing, you feel that pain. Oh, sorry. It doesn't matter. So it's like, that'll never go away. But, you know, I had a great time that year. And then, even though we lost, but it was still a great memory, a great, it was a great opportunity to be a part of that. It's so crazy to think that that was the last BCS national championship before the, yep. the playoff structure yep. was implemented and, and to even be a part of that. But it just felt like given the way the season went and how special there's that word again, we all knew that team to be, you just felt like that was the only way it was going to end, right? Like that, it, it felt like a no brainer, but that's just the nature of college football, man. And it's why we all love it, even though it's sometimes painful. It, crazy things can happen, even for the most unsuspecting teams. But it certainly didn't take away from what all was accomplished that year and, and the, the legacy that was left with that group. But um, speaking of legacy, you know, a, a, a game that really sticks out in my mind when I think of your career, Sammy, is that Texas A&M 
shove to the ground on that route. You know exactly what I'm talking about, man. That that shove will probably be in every hype video for the rest of time. Do you have any specific plays or moments that that stand out to you from an individual perspective? That was one of them. That was probably one Good. of the top. And, Good. Um, Missouri game when I scored that touchdown. Oh, that right. Crazy scramble by Nick. Yep. And and at the Pass Nick threw to me in, in, in against Alabama when he the crazy thing a lot of people know that play been in our playbook in an Iron Bowl for since the game one we it was supposed to run in the game yeah. one and uh, we never got to it and we didn't even practice that play that week at all <laughs> was, we always knew it was a part of it like Nick came around I seen his eyes get big and look at me I was like oh he's gonna throw it <laughs> so I thought he passed a lot but I didn't care I, I was like good job yeah <laughs> that play still people don't understand we did not practice that one of the that game. <laughs> yeah. Now everybody wants to run that play like it's yeah, uh, just but good, it, it, it was in the playbook. Like we had that play that RPO, but we never ran uh, it. You yeah, know, nobody ever bit like that. They both bit. Cause I guess because Nick been scorching the whole game, right? Yeah, it was always there. <laughs> no, so you look at a, look at this team this year. You know who do you see as far as uh you know Jay Fair has speed. Um, you know there's a couple other guys on the team that can run. But who's the guy that you think can step up in that receiver position uh, this year and, and make some big pivotal plays for Auburn? I think if Cedric get it together, mm-hmm. he can he can be a heck. I mean, that kid is uh, as a, a NFL dream receiver. Mm. His body type. If he can put it all together, man, he can be special. He athletic, and I think a lot of them young guys coming into freshmen can help out a lot. I've been watching some of the highlights. Them kids, them kids can catch and they can run routes too. And that's one big thing. Auburn has never had a true route runner. Yeah. And I think that's what we need. You know, we never had a guy that's been like, you know, like a Cooper. You know, we never had that kind of set yeah. offense, but they got an opportunity for it now. And them guys are actually taking advantage of it right now. But I think Cedric could be one of the big time names if he put it all together. And and look, he's he comes in with the experience and we actually had wide receiver coach Ike Hilliard on the show last week. And and he was talking about so much of what he's trying to instill in his room is just the belief. He said, a lot of these guys have, have heard that they're not capable or, or they're not high caliber enough, or they're not big enough of a threat. So he he's really focused on, on that mentality. And I think, like you said, like to see the blueprint for these guys, it's just about putting it all together at the right time. You learned that you have to learn that in every position, but I think this group in particular, if they can come together. And then of course, once you figure out the quarterback piece of it, this thing's set up a lot better than I think people realize, right, Jay? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely set up, uh, like I said, because there's not a lot of high expectations. And that's typically when Auburn does really well. Uh, they got them picked, finished last in the SEC West. And I'm just like, really? You know, yeah. uh, I understand yeah. we, we, <laughs> fell out, we fell off at the end last year, but I'm just, I don't see us being that. I really think we're going to have an opportunity to, to be in a hunt for this thing come late November. Uh, I really think if this team can get started off 5-0 and at home uh, with five for straight home games, it kind of, it kind of wipes out the 0 and 5 to finish the season last year. And so you're talking about a group that once this team can win, once you learn how to win, you get yep. confidence yep. and then anything can happen. So that's why I say if this football team can start fast and start off quick and win some big games at home with Penn State and LSU and Missouri, like anything can happen. You can actually go to Athens and have a real shot. 
just because yeah. you're walking in that thing with full confidence. So everybody just got to buy in. And what yeah. he's seeing those guys running those stairs, that's where it all starts. It don't start in fall practice. It mm-hmm. started in the summertime, what you do yep. and the work you put in. So, you know, hopefully this team is on the right, with the right attitude and had a right mindset because, you know, there are different things that attract these kids' minds now. You have NIL deals. You have people on their social media pulling for them, telling them, hey, you can do this if we'll pay you this and pay you for that. Can these guys have enough maturity to handle all of that and then be able to block out the doors and handle business on the football field? Yeah, that's big time, man. My advice to them, man, don't worry about that right now because it's, it's going to come, it's coming. If it's for you, it's going to be there regardless, you know? So I will let that be the last thing I'm worried about. The more you win, the more attention you get on for that next level. Everybody go, when you go to college, to go to the next level. And that they focus should be. That's It's going to be a hard thing for them because if they win a couple of games, it's going to have a lot of money getting thrown their way. Oh, you want to do this? That's a distraction. They got to remember right. that they focus is to win and go to the next level to provide for a long period of time. And the only way you get there is as a team. You know, I think that right now the the – kind of landscape around college football is is putting a lot of emphasis on individuals, the individual opportunities, the individual, you know, chance to go to another school and what they could give you. It is very easy to kind of focus too much inward, but football is such a game of, of cohesion and unity. And so keeping that at the forefront of everything, and again, goes back to what this team has been through as a unit I think it could translate to the field. So I hope that some of the players are listening because both of you guys are spitting very valuable advice to these guys and uh, certainly gets me excited for fall. Well, Sammy, one more question before I let you go. What matchup was your favorite as a player? It feels like as an Auburn fan, alum, whatever, it feels like we've got so many rivals at this point. Every game feels like a big game and it has history. But for you, which one really did you just love as a player? Um, I love playing. I love playing in Texas and m They fans make you want to play harder. LSU was the same way. LSU yeah. was one of those games like I'm looking forward to playing LSU. Georgia, Alabama game, like all those SEC games, it, it's like that's the matchup. You know yep. who's the best SEC team it is. And you go play those guys, you want to prove that. And that year, the years I was there, it was always the same team, LSU, Georgia, Alabama. That's yep. what they said we got to beat. We got to beat those guys. We got to beat those guys. So I'll say those teams. It's really weird kind of the momentum that always seems to come off LSU and A&M like you know Georgia and Alabama are gonna be something crazy they always are but it was almost like the A&M or LSU had the ability to like really change the the trajectory of season somehow it's really weird how that happens but I I totally agree it's gonna be interesting because now here comes Texas and here comes Oklahoma so Sammy I I don't know how you feel about that but hey we gotta accept it and what do you think that's gonna do for the SEC um, it's gonna make the SEC a little more more tougher with recruiting wise, cause you know yep. Texas got big money, Oklahoma got big money. Yep. So when they come to recruiting wise, it's gonna put a put a lot of pressure on a lot of these guys in the SEC. But other than that, they better come with their helmet strapped on, cause they come to the big boy knockout. You know? <laughs> This is big boy ball. I love it. Well, Sammy Coates, so freaking good to hear from you, my man. I I can't say enough good things about you as a player, but also a person. You're just, you're an Auburn man, as is Jay. And uh, it's great to see you both continue to uh, stay committed to the program and and to speak so highly of Auburn and, and the impact it had on you. So thank you for taking some time to chat with us. And uh, we hope to see you at some point this fall. For sure. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.